0: Last week, we um, looked at the gospel, and uh, for those of you who weren't here, if you don't have an understanding of what it means to be born again, I would like to, um, you to go and listen to that message, and if you have any questions, questions are good. We love questions. There's no such thing as a bad question. Sometimes it's just the heart behind the question, but uh, we'd love to chat to you through that. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a... Um, of a um, recap of what we read there. But before we, and then today, so we, we spoke on what it means to be born again. And today I want to look at what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, one of the, the scriptures that gave me absolute comfort when I was um, preparing for this was in the Gospel of Luke, chapter um, chapter 11, I'm just going to find that scripture for you, and we're going to read it here. Luke 11, and it says here from—let me just find the passage here. Um, Luke eleven eleven, It says, if you know how to give your parents or your children— Good gifts. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And the context of that scripture is He's saying, If you ask for a fish, will He give you a stone? Or, or bread, will He give you a serpent? And he's saying here, yeah, when you ask me for something, and you ask by faith, I'm not going to give you something to harm you. And so often, the Holy Spirit has been relegated because there have been weird things that have happened uh, along the way, but we cannot de- negate Scripture because of ex- sometimes there's excess. Amen? How many of you would rather have some, some fire than no fire? Amen? Great. So we looked at that, and we looked at what it means to be born again. And it's a reminder that the gospel is not about what about we have done to save ourselves, but what Jesus did on our behalf. In Ephesians, Paul reminds us, Ephesians chapter 2, that we were dead in our transgressions. And we know that dead people cannot save themselves. How many of you know that? And we were made alive in Christ. And He forgave us our sin by grace through faith. And the gospel is not about making good people religious. It's about making dead people alive. Dead people, dead in our transgressions. It's a gospel of grace. And in John 3, we read this conversation. I just want to do a bit of a recap. There's more about it um, in the, the message last week, but... Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Now, this was a very religious man. He was a Pharisee. He came to Jesus in the, in the night, and he saw something in Jesus. He didn't know quite what, know what it was. So he starts a conversation with Jesus, and you can read it in the Gospel of John. But in verse 3, he says this. Jesus, in reply to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. No one can enter except unless they are born again. John fourteen six. Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no man will come to the Father except by me. Christianity isn't exclusive. All who accept Jesus Christ are saved, but there's only one door into heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? And Nicodemus replies something like, I would more than likely would have replied before I knew Jesus Christ. He says, how can someone be born when they're old? Good question. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answers, very truly. Now when Jesus says very truly twice, in three verses, we should listen because Jesus is the truth. And he's trying to make a point in this. This is critical. It doesn't matter how many years we've been in the church. It doesn't matter how many times we worship God. It doesn't matter how much we pray unless we are born again. And this is the word of God, church. Jesus said something interesting to the Pharisees about a healing he did on a, on a Sabbath and they were um, um, cross with him because he healed somebody on a Sabbath. That's the Jewish um, holy day, the Saturday, but it would be like our Sunday. They weren't upset that the person got healed, but they were accepted that Jesus healed the person on a Sabbath. And he says this to them, your traditions, the traditions of man, nullify the word of God. In other words, their religious Traditions had blinded them from the truth who were standing before them. And I find this often. It's not that we, do, we want to um, expand the truth outside of the Word of God, but I find this often, that people are more likely to stand on their traditions and fight you with, on that and leave the church on that than the Word of God, which is a very sad thing. He says, very truly, no one, no one, we cannot enter the kingdom because we're good people. Because all have sinned, the Word of God says, and fallen short of the glorious glory of God. And as I said last week, how many sins does it take to make us a sinner? I think one. And I use the example of my water bottle, and nobody's ever taken me up on this challenge. I can have a brand new full water bottle of fresh water and I can offer you a sip. But if I do this and some of my spittle runs in there and I offer it to you, will you take it? Anybody? Oh, one at the back there, Marlo. (laughs) He would. (laughs) And uh, is it Marlo? I can see. Yeah. And um, the point is, one little drop. In this water, can make it unclean. And one sin makes us unclean, and we're all sinners. And we need Jesus Christ to save us and set us free unless if we want to be born of the Spirit and come into the kingdom of God. He goes on to say this, flesh gives birth to flesh. All our good deeds and all of the stuff we do outside of the grace and mercy of God gives birth to flesh. But Spirit, those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God, will give birth to Spirit. And we cannot save ourselves. In church, I want you, you to understand that no matter how hard we try, we need to be born again. But when we are born of, of the Spirit, we become a brand new creation that never existed before. You can read that in the Word of God, a new creation. And our relationship with God is not a relationship of rules and regulations. It's a relationship of love. It's a relationship of grace. Where God sent His Son, He loved us so much that He gave His Son to die for our sin. So that relationship broken by sin could be restored by faith in Jesus Christ. God is a God into, relation, into relationship. He created man in His infinite wisdom so that he could have fellowship with us. And he's calling people home. He wants them to come and live in the kingdom of God. And this um, Bill Hybels, how many of you have heard of Bill Hybels? He uh, re- leads an amazing church, and he does a leadership conference. And a few years ago, he uh, interviewed Bono. Activity that began in you in an accelerated way, Came through your involvement
1: in a kind of youth group that you and a couple of the other members of the band uh, got involved in, and you started studying the scriptures, and you really got into it quite a bit in those days. I I, I never had any problems with Christ, but uh, Christians were always a bit of a problem for me, and uh, I used to avoid them Uh, if I could. I found them always to be completely disinterested culturally politically I found it very hard to relax with them they seemed strange to me I'm sure I was strange to them uh, and yet through all of this I met in in school I met some people who who knew who knew the scriptures it was quite a, a moment there when people got very interested in the, the early church and the possibilities of imitating the early church. Um, but Christians can be very judgmental and particularly the way people look, um, the way they carry on. They tend to judge people by surface problems. Uh, sexual immorality, these things are the preoccupation historically of the church. Whereas you know corporate greed or things like that will be never mentioned. I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, the universe operates by the laws of, of karma, essentially, and uh, all physical laws do, and, um, you know, what you put out comes back against you, you know. Then enters the story of grace, which really uh, is the story of Christ, and which turned this this view of the universe upside down. And. It's completely counterintuitive. Um, I mean, very, very hard for human beings to grasp grace. We can actually grasp atonement, revenge, fairness, all of this we can grasp. But we don't grasp grace very well. I'm much more interested in grace because I'm really depending on it. <laughs> so. You were arguing the point that you could either believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Or you'd have to call him a nutcase, but to just say that he was a good man doesn't work. Yeah, no, Jesus uh, was either, you know, Charles Manson, an absolute nutcase. Um, Or, in my opinion, who who he said he was. And we are faced with a very difficult choice, therefore, because this man went to the cross, you know, saying he was what had been prophesied about and that he was God made flesh and that, you know, that God so loved the world, that he tried to explain himself to the world by becoming like us. And I'm so fascinated by the idea of the child born in, you know, straw poverty.
0: For me, there's a poetic power to that. Amazing, hey? The Gospel of Grace. Saved by grace, we don't deserve it, but God saved us anyway. But this is the key now, I want to move from being born again, and please go and listen to that and speak to us. It's critical, and good questions. If you've been taught something else, you have a right to come to the elders and to speak to us so that we can show you through Scripture um, why we believe this. And I've always said this if there's any scripture that we stand on that uh, somebody can show us that's not correct we would be open to correction because we don't know all truth only Jesus knew that amen So we see in the gospel that Mary did not conceive Jesus through Joseph We're going to go on a little journey on here on the uh, on being born again born of the spirit and Jesus's journey but As a virgin, he was conceived through the Holy Spirit. He was God incarnate, fully God and fully man. In Ephesians 2, it says, Your attitude should be the same of that as Jesus Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself. God made himself and took upon himself the nature of a servant. And became in human likeness and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place that is above, to the highest name, gave him the highest name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, these are critical things. Every knee one day will bow. And it's while we're on this earth that we have an opportunity to choose to serve God for eternity or not to. So these are critical things we're talking about. I heard a speech in a man talk about the runway of life, like, um, like our life is not so much a beginning and an end. Here we say we have a birthday and a death day. We are eternal beings. We're going to spend eternity either with God or without God. And when we at the airport of life, we can have a choice which destination we go to. It's an amazing picture of me. Of God is calling us. God is calling this world. God is not phased about what's going on in the world. What He has phased is He's wanting is the church to rise in power, to be salt in life, to represent Him well. Like so that people like Bonner, I'm sure many of you didn't even know he was saved. I've, I followed Bono since the '80s. I've read a lot of his books. There's a book called "The Spiritual Journey of You 2 and so on. And these guys are making a difference. In the world. They're messing it up and they're fixing it up just like we do. Just in different ways. Amen? And we need each other. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. God incarnate. But we see something interesting. In, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus is now 30 years old and we will read that. And he goes down to the river Jordan to be baptized by John. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and his earthly ministry is birthed. So Jesus was born with the indwelling Spirit. We were not born with the indwelling Spirit of God. But when we are born again, we have the indwelling Spirit within us. We have the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, Dwelling in us, and we are born again. So, the moment we are born again, we have the Holy Spirit within us. Jesus had Him from birth, okay? So, Jesus, how many of you know Jesus was saved before the foundation of the earth? If you ever need saving, He didn't. But you know what I mean? He was holy and righteous, full of the Spirit of God from birth, but He waited for something to happen. He waited. For the Father, and he waited 30 years. And we read this in Luke 3 21 to 23, if I can have that up there. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, and as he was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended, um, descended upon him or on him. The Holy Spirit was in him. We read that in Luke 1. The Holy Spirit now comes on him. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit has nothing to do with salvation. If you've been taught that, that's not true. When you're born again, born of the Spirit, you're saved. But we've got to go on a little journey with Jesus because Jesus walked the earth as a man. The reason he did that, number one, to save us from our sin, fully God, fully man, but to be the example for us as the head of the church. Jesus is the head, Ephesians uh, 1 tells us, and we are his body. Surely we should be listening to the head and not the body. Wouldn't that be a good idea? For all of us. And he says this, when all the people were being baptized, and then he says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him and bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, and I am well pleased with you. This is an amazing statement. Because Jesus had never, up to this stage, had never done any mighty miracles and so on. His ministry was going to begin now. But before he had done anything, God loved him. And before you do anything to God, we don't do stuff for God to gain his approval and love. We do it because we are already approved and we are already loved. We stop trying like, like um, Bonner said there, grace is... Hard to comprehend because it's free and there's nothing that we do to receive it. And we somehow want to put our lives into the flesh and we do that. And when we're doing well, we serve God well. But when we're not, we tank. We need to understand that God loves us unconditionally. He does not change like shifting shadows. He hates sin for this reason. Number one, it separated us from God, and it separated the world from God. And number two, because of the consequence of sin. And we, we sometimes uh, mix up consequence with forgiveness. He's forgiven you. There may be consequence that you're walking through. There are Christians, born-again believers in, in jail for doing crime. They pray the, and ask for forgiveness. they forgiven. The consequences, they have to pay the time. And consequence is an amazing gift from God. And I'm going to turn some of these negatives around because why is consequence an amazing gift? I'll tell you why. Because it teaches us to say no to ungodliness in that. And I want to take a little child. There's a fence around your property or here, and we say, don't run in the road. And they just see freedom out there. They don't see the cars. They don't see the danger. And they run out of that gate. And these cars come in all stop like this, and we run and grab them. If there's no consequence to that child, What will stop them doing it again? And I'm not saying how you give a consequence and all of that. That's between you and God and and your family. But that's how they learn. Consequence of touching a hot stove. A burnt hand. So we must not uh, equate consequence to God's forgiveness and love for us. It happens to all of us. Verse 23 now, he was, himself was 30 years old. He had the in- dwelling, dwelling spirit for 30 years before his ministry began. And he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Then we see this in Luke 4, verse 1. That Lee, Jesus is then led by the Spirit into the desert. So he comes out of the desert. He comes out of the water baptism and is led by the Spirit. Then in Luke 4.14, he comes out of the desert. Can we have that? He returns then. So he's baptized in, uh, in water. He comes. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. He's then led by the Spirit. And now he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him begins to spread. And he taught in the synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day and he went into the synagogue and he begins to open the scroll to the book of Isaiah and, and then he reads this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit was on, in me, now the spirit is on me. Can you see that? I didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is in me, because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight. Sorry, this is all mixed up here, <laughs> on oh, my one. Recovery of sight for the blind and to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And then he said, the next verse, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your sight. Immediately he leaves there. He begins to cast out demons, heal people, and set them free from the power of the enemy. So here we have Jesus, God incarnate, now totally empowered by the Holy Spirit, beginning His ministry. And this is where it gets good for us. And this is where I want to go from here. We're going to change Gospels to the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at John uh, chapter 7 from verse 37. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. These are highlights because I want us to pray about this afterwards, but I'm wanting you to search the Scriptures for yourself, or come ask us about these things. And it says here, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up in a loud voice. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit who Those who believed would later receive, up until that time, the Spirit had not been given since he had not been glorified. I'm going to leave that up for a while. So, Jesus has got his disciples, but at this stage, his disciples were still trying to figure out who Jesus was themselves. And you see, at this stage, they had not received the Spirit. Because he had not been glorified. And we're going to go to John chapter 20. And we're going to see what happened there. And then we're going to um, look at Acts chapter chapter 1 and 2 a little bit. You see, Acts 20, uh, John 20, Jesus is risen from the dead. He has now been glorified, exalted to the highest place. He's been glorified. The disciples still at this stage in the beginning of John 20 still did not believe that he had risen from the dead. We know the whole story. Um, Mary uh, went there and then Peter and John and so on and um, they asked the angels, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? They're pretty confused. Now they're starting to realize something um, supernatural is maybe happening. And then we get to verse 19. So this is all happening in one day, backwards and forwards. These guys are fearing for their lives. Can you imagine the the head of their group, Jesus, had been crucified? Like Peter, who denied him, they more than likely were fearing for their lives. But on the evening, let's read this, of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. You see there? Jesus came and stood amongst them. He came through the door, and he said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hand and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you, and with that he breathed, on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Walked with him all this time. Still trying to work, up, work out who he is. Peter had that revelation, but that revelation seemed to have a bit of a shelf life because when things went wrong, he denied Christ after saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But now Jesus is risen from the dead. He's standing before them. They see him glorified. Remember John 7. That's when he said they will later receive the Spirit because he had not been glorified. He is now glorified. They believe in him. They are born again, born of the Spirit as he breathes the Spirit on them. So they are now believing believers. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Then we go to Acts chapter 1. And Jesus is just about to go back to heaven. And he's having this conversation with them. And I want you to just read the beginning of this. And when you read the book of Acts, you could, you could call it the, uh, Luke 2. Because Luke wrote Luke and Luke wrote Acts to the same person. And so I encourage you to go and read Luke and then read Acts straight away. And you'll see how it flows. And he says this talking about the gospel of Luke. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions in the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father, um, my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Didn't they just receive the indwelling Spirit in John 20 when he breathed on them? Yes, they did. So what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about a separate event that would happen to them. And so they met together and they asked the Lord. So they're still really confused. Are you at this time going to re- restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father set by in his own authority, but you will receive Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Luke 3, Luke 1, Jesus, born of the Spirit, full of the Spirit, conceived by the Spirit, through the Spirit. Acts chapter 3, Jesus baptized. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him. After that, he received the power, and that's when his ministry began. Go and read Luke 4. He starts to drive out demons. He heals Peter's mother. He does signs, wonders, and miracles. And he says, greater things than than these will you do in my name. We have to start believing the Word of God. Church, we've got to stop being unbelieving believers. We need to understand that Jesus was the model. And now he's using the first prototypes, the, 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 the apostles, to blaze away. And that blazing away is written in the book of Acts. And you see, whatever the apostles did, we should be doing and more. That was the baby church. We should have matured a little bit since then in 2,000 years. But we look to that and say, man, if we were only like that, we could be like that and more. If we believe God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, um, and why would, what will happen when it comes upon you? It says, and you will be my witness. A bold witness. I'm going to give you some power tools, I'm going to give you an anointing that can bind broken hearts. Remember, he prophesied the Spirit of the Lord for his anointed me to bind broken hearts said chapter 3. I'm going to empower you through the power of the Spirit to be able to go and do what I did in my name. And he says, you will be that in Judea, uh, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And after he said this, he was taken up. His last words, Wait. Don't panic. I'm going. He in the in John thirteen fourteen through, he prepares the disciples in the last supper, and he says, When I go, the comforter will come. I will not leave you alone. I will give you a, a paracletus, a, a one that will walk beside you, who will lead you and guide you and empower you. And that's what he's doing now. We have the indwelling spirit, and now he's going to switch electricity on how many of you would like to have a power tool power drill and use it without it being plugged into the source how many holes could you draw? yes you could buy a hand one yes I know we can do stuff in our own strength and all of this kind of stuff but how much more we've got that power tool so once you fill us with power church And the enemy has robbed the church of its power because Scripture, that is quite clear, has been changed through the traditions of man to mean something that it wasn't meant to be. And we see this, that in Acts chapter 2, they wait. And I want to read this to you. So they're waiting for what Jesus said. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separate and rest on them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. John 20. Receive the indwelling Spirit. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and endures them for power. An anointing. An anointing, is supernatural anointing, is simply this. It's not hocus-pocus stuff. It's simply a supernatural ability to get the job done which is to go into the world and preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to bind our broken hearts, and set captives free. He's empowering us with the same spirit that Jesus had, the same power. Ephesians chapter 1 says it's an incomparably great power that is for us who believe. Incomparably great. It's received, it's not achieved, but it's received by faith, church. And I want us to be a people that is full of power, not so that we can glow in the dark and we can look good or whatever is out there, so that we can be a witness in our Judea, in our Jerusalem, Nanaimo, in our Samaria, uh, uh, B.C., And right through to the uttermost parts of the world that we can send young people and old and everybody in between that who wants to go and make disciples in the name of Jesus. Not trying to argue people into the kingdom, but through revelation, through signs, wonders and miracles. If you look at the book of Acts, what got the people's attention was not the debates. Paul and Mars Hill did an amazing debate, but it says only a few got saved. It's a demonstration. He goes from Mars Hill in Athens. Straight away, he goes to Corinth, and I'm thinking on his way: why? How come the miracles didn't? Uh, how come so few got saved? Go and read that. It's an amazing thing. But he's going to Corinth. He gets to Corinth. All glory breaks out. People are saved, set free, and he writes a letter to that same church. Many years later, and he says, When I came to you, I did not come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that man's faith would not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Where is our faith? Is our faith in the transforming power of God that we can see the most wretched of wretched persons, which we were all a part of, saved by the power of God? When we can see people healed on the streets, when our shadow like Peter would come across people and, and people would be healed, when Paul would pray on a handkerchief not so that somebody could send him a donation, but so that they could go. And into the anointing upon that healed people. That was natural, supernatural Christianity. Supernatural Christianity has become abnormal. So normal blah Christianity is now normal. We've got to change this church. We've got to see the power of God released in and through um, in and through the church. For you will receive power when it comes upon you. And I'm today. I'm having faith. I know it's been a bit all over the show, but today I am wanting to pray for two lots of people. Three. First, if you have never been born again, don't be embarrassed, and don't do it. Ho hum. But if you really feel, you know what, I want to be part of this kingdom. I've never known, I've been in church my whole life, and I've never heard that before. And I see in Scripture that it's the only way in. I want to be born again. And we want to pray for you. If you have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you see, baptism in the Holy Spirit, let me just clear this with you, has nothing to do with your salvation. It's to do with power. When you are born again and you will go to heaven, whether you are baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, you are sa- nothing can separate you from God's love. He loves you. So any of these weird te- teachings out there on the other side, well, if you're not filled with the Spirit, you're not saved. And if you're not baptized, you're not saved. No, we do not add to grace. Salvation is by grace through faith then everything we else do is through obedience to that love we have for God. We don't obey God because we have to. We obey God because we want to. We want to be more like Him. And, you know, we fall and, and stuff happens. And, and, and you say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. He says, don't worry, my son. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. Forgiven, forgetting. Get up and run. Get up and run. Put your eyes on me. Run with perseverance. Oh, Father, I'm weak. Let me empower you. Let me anoint you. Let me give you some words of knowledge for this person. Let me give you power to heal the sick and raise the dead and all of those things. I want to give it to you. You see, we can have a nuclear power station with all the power in the world being built, in. that's what this next building out here is. <laughs> except it's going to be a Holy Spirit power station. We <laughs> but we can have a nuclear power station. We can have all the electricity in the world, but if we don't flick that switch, it's useless. We can live in the dark, spiritually, Theologically for the rest of our lives. Because the switch, all, all faith is. It's not something we work out. It's like a mustard seed. It's like a little switch. And what it does, when we switch it on, it releases the power, the anointing, and glory of God. Because God in His sovereignty chose to partner with us. And so we are conduits. That's what we are. With our finances, church. God doesn't want us to give because He's poor because he's needing a few bucks. God wants us to give because it's our heart to give to him. You can have it all. How much, not how little? Why is grace and finances, why is the conversation often about this grace? How much, how far can I go from God until I fall off the edge? How many, how far? Or how little can I give to still be blessed? These are conversations that I had. Instead of how close can I get to Christ? Because of grace, I can enter the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus. There's no other way I can come in. But I have this grace, so how close can I get to my dad? How close can I get to my father? And when I sin, we, we, we come to the throne of grace, Hebrews 4 tells us, and we receive mercy. When we're in our dad's presence, you know what mercy is? We get what we don't deserve. And we find more grace. And that's this journey. That's the journey of grace. That's the journey of Bono, and we can judge him for all we like. He loves God. He's not ashamed of the gospel. He preaches the gospel in a different way, and yes, he's a sinner just like me. And just like you, saved by grace through faith. And if you don't know that, God is calling you. I believe that. But if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'd like to pray for you too. We would like to. And lastly, the book of Acts talks about an infilling of the Holy Spirit. They were in the presence of God praying and the Holy Spirit would come and they'd be filled again and filled again. So being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being saved is not a one-off event. I'm so glad that in 1943 I gave my heart to the Lord. I remember those days. Jesus is going to say, bro, you died at 90. What did you do? He's going to ask us, going to give us a gift. What did you do with that salvation? What did you do with that power? I gave it all to you. Oh, but I didn't switch it on, God. Well, it was there. God is not interested in our past, church. He's interested in our future, and our future starts with every new breath. When you breathe in now, you have never breathed that breath before. When you take a step, you've never taken that step before. And God wants to say, I want to take you on a journey, forgetting that which is behind. Leave the stuff behind. Let God use the stuff that you did. You know, I was this, I was that, but God saved me. And somebody comes in and says, you know, I've done these terrible things. I said, do you know what, Joe? um, Joe can help you. He's been through that. But he's saved. Turns it around. Wow. Wow. So God loves me like I am? Yeah. Well, come in. And that's what God wants you to do today. So the ones who are, the last time they heard, felt the rain of the Spirit, 10 years ago, I don't know. You know, when it doesn't rain, we have problems. First, the natural, the Bible says, the natural, natural rain Brings life, causes rivers to flow, feeds, sustains. So the rain of the Spirit causes life. We're born again. And then it needs to continue rain on us. Not 30 years ago, and I've got this empty water bottle, but daily. God, just rain upon me. I challenge you to say that by faith. Just stand there, God. I don't know what to do. I'm tired. I'm lonely. My marriage, my this, my that, Lord God, the church, whatever it is. But God, please rain down upon me by your Spirit. Refresh me, God. Give me a pure heart, Lord. Wash me clean so I can stand in your presence daily, Lord, full of your Spirit. And then I just take that with me, God, and I just allow myself to leak, to be a leaky Christian, because people can drink from the streams, the streams of living water. And we get to that night again, and our tank is empty, and we're feeling overwhelmed. And say, God, fill me again, fill me with your presence, Lord. And the Holy Spirit is even doing that right now. It's beginning to rain upon you. He wants to soften hearts. He wants to bind broken hearts. He wants to set captives free. If you're captive to an addiction, pornography or whatever, there's one who can break that. Stop trying yourself. Get a brother who you can trust to walk alongside you. Because God, Jesus paid the price for that. If You've been divorced. If you've, dare I say, and I want to say this, if you've had an abortion, God has forgiven you. God has set you free. He loves you. There's consequence of that. But He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And every time I think, there's sometimes um, people are wanting to come into the presence of God and just stand there and they say, well, I did this thing or that thing. And we withdraw. And the rain is here. We need to step into it and we're standing just outside of it. We're standing up just outside of it. And we... We dry and thirsty and God says, I'm raining. I want to rain upon you. I've set you free. There's nothing that you've done that Jesus Christ didn't die for. And if your sin is bigger than Christ's death, then Jesus couldn't have been God. Because nothing's bigger than God. And so just allow Him. Give it to Him. Stop try, let us me too stop trying to make it work. Just step in. We can have the worship team, man. If you'd like pray for any of those things, I'd ask you to please stand. Just be bold enough. Be refreshing. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, salvation. Please stand. Step into the rain. Step into the rain of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. Come Holy Spirit, he's falling, he's raining. Position yourself to receive. Position yourself to receive. You might have been saved your whole life and loved God. God wants to bless you and touch you today. So we're going to worship God. We allow the reign of the Spirit just to, Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is the word of God, and I will make you clean. And I will cleanse you from all your impurities. And I will take that hard heart. I will take that hard heart that's been hard by disappointment. That's been hurt by, by family issues. That's been hurt by abuse. All of those things. Jesus weeps over you. He never intended that for you. He's weeping over some of you. I feel that in my spirit. He's weeping with you. His tears, and He wants to wash you clean. He wants to set you free once and for all. He is weeping over you. He feels your pain. He knows your pain, but He wants to set you free. And open your hand, church, and just give the stuff to Him. And Lord, just create that pure heart. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain, and as we worship worshiping, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you. If you do not know Jesus, Lord, and your Savior, please come forward too, otherwise we'll just stand and worship God. Times are refreshing, church. Let the river flow.